So, today, we're going back to Exodus. And before reading the text for today, I was thinking, uh, what personal story can really fit with, with the Ten Commandments? Because that is basically uh, the, the chapter that we are going to explore today in Exodus 20. So, I remember that when I was a little kid, I don't know, maybe it was just me, not sure about that, but I'll, I'll, let me let me just uh, think that it was just me. But kids don't like rules that much. So when I was a little kid, every single weekend we had this family tradition of visiting my aunt and my uncle, and I always got super excited about that weekend for a couple of reasons. But one of them was because my cousins they had the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo. Okay, I didn't have that. So I was like, oh, wow, I, I really want Saturday to come already because I'm going to be able to play video games. And I was begging my mom, mom, can I have a Nintendo? Can I have a Super Nintendo? Can, can you give me this? And my mom was like, nope, we're not, I'm not going to give you anything because if I buy that for you, you're not going to study. So I'm not going to buy it for you. So every single Saturday, I was like, well, I don't care. I mean, I cannot play during the week, but on Saturday, I am going to play over there. And the house was super big and they always had like a lot of food. Not like we didn't have food, <laughs> but they had like more food because obviously they had more people. And my uncle used to travel a lot around the world. So every single Saturday we had like little surprises, some special candies from this region or some like a little gift. So it was like going to paradise. That's, that, that was my understanding. So basically without knowing or without coming to the realization what I was experiencing was this sense of freedom. Like I can, like, I mean, they have like a big backyard and then they have the Nintendo and they have the food and they have this and that. So I can run and play and enjoy my whole Saturday because here at home, I'm a little bit limited. That was my understanding as a little kid. So one Saturday we were getting ready to go and my mom said, okay, listen, there's one thing I want to tell you. I said, okay, hey, I need you to behave when we get there. And I said, Mom, what do you mean? Okay, listen, do not interrupt me. I need you to behave. When we get there, you say, hi, good morning. Um, you ask for the blessing. That's kind of like a tradition in, in, in Honduras. When you get into a place, you say, uh, you ask the family to bless you uh, with, with words, of course. So you ask for the blessing and then uh, do not touch anything, Okay. If they offer you food, you take it. If they don't offer you food, don't you dare to ask. And you know me. And Carlos was Carlos since he was a little kid. I mean, it was just like I was hungry, but I couldn't ask for food because my mom said, do not ask for food. And then if they invite you to play video games, but the video game is in the, uh, in the room, don't go. If it is in the living room, you can play, but I don't want you in their bedrooms also if you go outside and they invite you to play you wait you wait until you clean some stuff first and you help your uncle and then you can play and i said mom that is not fair because number one that is not my house number two i don't have to be cleaning in in their own space they have to be cleaning for me i'm the visitor and my mom said did i ask your opinion for this 
And I was like, no, I went, well, there's nothing you can say. So I was confused because my mom was giving me a bunch of rules for a place that was not our own place. And I thought in my mind, oh, I am going to finally experience some freedom because I'm going to be playing and doing whatever I want and eating whatever I want. But my mom was giving me some rules. And I did not like that at all. Because I was feeling controlled, even though I was not at home. Because my tendency was to think, oh, if I'm at home, I have to submit to the rules. But if I am not at home, I have more freedom. But my mom decided to extend the rules to other places as well. I was so frustrated. Because in my mind, rules were blocking my freedom. Rules were blocking my ability to express my identity, who I was. So think about the people of Israel. Think about the Hebrew people now. In Exodus chapter 20, we're not going to read the whole thing, but now God is telling them, hey, I'm going to give you freedom. You're going to be out of the land of Egypt and you're going to be free. All the oppression and the pain and the suffering, it's going to disappear. Now you're going to be free. I am with you. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to bless you. Look at all the great things I have done uh, in the wilderness with you. I have provided you with water and food and everything. My presence, I have been your protector. And we're kind of like about to get into the way to the promised land. But before that, let me give you some rules. Let me give you some rules. So think about it. I know that when they were in Egypt, probably they didn't see all this stuff as rules because they were oppressed and they didn't have an option. But they wanted to experience the ability to make their own decisions without having anyone controlling them. And now when they get to this point, God is saying, hey, I have some rules and you got to listen to me. These are my rules. So maybe for some of them, this was like a contradiction. They were like, wait a minute. We were oppressed over there. We left that land. We were going through the wilderness. We were suffering and we were dealing with dangerous things. And now you're telling us that you're going to give us rules. Maybe they had the same feeling I had when I was a little kid. Now, what do you think when you read the Ten Commandments? What is the first thing that comes to your mind? For some people it's like, oh well... You know, uh, that is that is the old covenant and it's good for reference. But now we have Jesus telling us that all of those commands, uh, commandments, they get together in two. Love God and love your neighbor. And that's it. That's, that's one way to see it. Others might say, well, you know, they are good moral rules. Things that you can follow. And they still apply for a daily life. Yes, they are an example, but they also have a, a vivid application for our life. That's another good way to say it too. Some people don't even know when you ask them about the Ten Commandments. They're like, oh, what is that? Uh, is that from the Word of God? I mean, well, what do you mean? So what, what do you think about the Ten Commandments? How do you see the Ten Commandments? We can do a series of lessons on the Ten Commandments. We can explore, you know, each of them and get like the best out of, um, out of them. But uh, today we don't have time to explore all of them. So I'm going to offer you... Another perspective on the Ten Commandments. 
that transformed my life in the way I decided to reflect the image of God when I was in community. So, Exodus chapter 20. And I'm going to read a couple of verses. I'm going to start with verse 1 and 2. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Let me read this again. You shall have no other gods before me. And now when you jump to verse 7, and I got a couple of questions from the youth group this morning uh, from verse 4, and probably that's why I wanted just to jump to verse 7. But uh, verse 7, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless, uh, guilt, guiltless. Let me say that again. Guiltless. <laughs> Who misuses his name? Misuse the name of the Lord, or take the Lord, uh, take the name of the Lord in vain. Some versions say. Misuse the name of the Lord. And then at the beginning, verse 4, you shall not make, uh, in verse uh, 3, you shall not have other gods before me. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. So the first thing that we need to understand in the context of the Ten Commandments is this. The Ten Commandments were giving to people going into the process of redemption, but not for them to be redeemed. Let me repeat this. They were given to people that were into the context of redemption, but they were not given for them to be redeemed. God did not give the Ten Commandments to Israel long time ago to tell them how to be saved. This is not a set of instructions on how to get salvation. This is not a set of instructions on how to escape from hell or go to heaven. The Ten Commandments in the context of Israel at this time were giving for them to embrace this as a community so they can reflect the image of God better in a world that is full of different gods and misunderstandings about the divine revelation. And this is extremely powerful because people tend to embrace rules and then we become something completely different than the original identity that God designed for us. Why? Because we believe sometimes that these rules are kind of divine. And we believe that we need to follow the rules in order for us to please God. And that's when we uh, face the challenge of uh, doing and not being. And we base our faith on what we do and not in the kind of person we are becoming. And, brothers and sisters, this is another way of idolatry. Because idolatry, it's, it's a big problem in our life because we tend to make things divine. And then we worship them without even realizing that. And we can do the same thing with the Ten Commandments. That's exactly what Israel did. They did exactly what they were not supposed to do. 
the law was given from God to the people. So they could understand who God was and how could they reflect God better. But not to make the law the other God to follow. Because when you make the, the, the law the other God to follow, you are violating the law. So this was given in the context of redemption. Because God wanted for them to understand, hey, this is who I am. And if you do not understand who I am, you won't be able to understand who you are. That's a reality that still applies to us. If we do not understand God, we cannot understand our own identity. If we do not understand who God is, then we cannot understand who we are. God gave them the Ten Commandments as a whole. For the whole community. This is not a list of moral requirements for people to follow to be good before the Lord. This is a set of rules, if we want to call it that way, given to the whole people, to the whole community. So they can reflect among each other the light of the Lord. And now let me just concentrate the next couple of minutes in verse number 7. Because for me, this is probably the most important one. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Let me read that again. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does it mean to misuse the name of the Lord? Well, as you already know, the Hebrew people were so concerned about the name of the Lord. To the point that they, when they were reading this, they were omitting the four Hebrew uh, letters that were describing the name of God to avoid using it um, not appropriately. So they were just referring to, to him as uh, uh, the Lord. Um, Adonai on some on sometimes um, Hashem and Hashem in Hebrew means the name because they were afraid of pronouncing the name of the Lord in vain they understood that misusing the name of the Lord was saying that beautiful name on a unworthy way and that's why they decided oh yeah you know what we're not going to use it. Because if we use it wrong, then God is going to punish us. If we use it wrong, then God is going to be super mad at us and, and, and we will be suffering again. We don't want that. So let's just like avoid that name. But let's be honest with this. The instruction is not about not using the name, but misusing the name. God never said, do not pronounce my name. Do not say my name. He said, do not misuse my name. That means, yes, you can use my name, but use it properly and correctly. Now, when we think about this, uh, in our modern world, Western world, we think that misusing the, the, the name of the Lord refers to 
uh, when we swear or where, uh, when we uh, say uh, O-M-G. Uh, I don't want to say it because uh, I know that for some people that's like, oh, misusing the word of the Lord. But in the context of Exodus 20, that's not exactly what the author was referring to. Misusing the name of the Lord. Think about this. What's behind a name? What's behind a name? Plenty of things. The identity of the person, their character probably, what they do, who they are. And in ancient times, it was even deeper because the name was a reflection of the character of the person, but also the mission of the person. And the experiences and the hope that parents wanted for those, those kids uh, to have in the future. So God is saying, do not misuse. And the, the, the root of the word in Hebrew here, it's really interesting to me. Because we have translated this as misuse or use the name of the Lord in vain. But the, the root of the word in Hebrew is... Do not talk false testimony about God. Don't lie about God. So misusing the name of the Lord in the context of the Old Testament, it's more than just using some words. It's more than just referring to God with this name or the other name. It's lying about Him. About his personality, his identity, his character. is bringing the wrong representation of God to the world. What this means is that the image we project to the world about God truly matters. Because if we send the wrong message, if we send the wrong image to the world about what God is, we are misusing his name. Brothers and sisters, this is powerful. Because this is not referring to the words we use but to the actions we practice. Misusing the name of the Lord is not referring to the uh, vocabulary or uh, a specific, uh, uh, again, names that we use to refer to the Lord. It's the actions we do, the actions we perform, the image of God that we are sending to the world, to the community. And this is given into the context of community. How beautiful it is for everybody and the community to reflect God so we can see God, His character, His blessings, His life in the life of others. But there's also a second, um, a second idea from the same root. Misusing the name of the Lord in the Hebrew context was also do not use my name to harm others because I am life. God has been revealing himself as the God of life. And if they were harming people in his name, they were misusing his name. Probably we don't get this very clear. But do not forget that in these times, in ancient times, this is, this is like super relevant because every single nation was attached to a God. 
And the way to demonstrate that that God was powerful was through the oppression of others. So if this nation was oppressing others, behind the scenes was that God as the most powerful one. So they were killing people in the name of their own gods. They were bringing suffering, oppression, misery in the name of their own gods. And God was like, don't you dare to use my name to harm others, to bring oppression, misery, shame and guilt. Because that is not who I am. In history, we have seen tragedy of many people using the name of the Lord to harm, to destroy, to bring humiliation, to minimize others. So my question for you today is, are you reflecting God with your daily actions today? What message are you sending to others? What kind of God are you sending to others? Misusing the name of the Lord sometimes is when you, uh, you try to accommodate God to your own understanding and to your own interpretation of life. And then you affirm stuff like, oh, God doesn't like that just because you don't like them. Oh, God doesn't approve that just because you don't approve them. The challenge today for us, for the church, is to understand who God is so we can reflect His own image in the world without harming but restoring, without destroying but recovering. God wants for us to use His name in the proper way. A way that brings life to everybody around us. Think about this. God wants you to understand that the only way He is going to be real to the world is when He becomes real in your life. The real God wants to be real in your life so others can believe. We are going to pray right now. And uh, we have Brother Alfonso here. So I'm going to invite him to lead us in, in closing prayer. And then at the end, we have one more song. God bless you.